0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Is this your idea? (laughs) Is this a hint? Yeah, fine. Can I record it? Sure you can record. I'm not going to say anything you can't record. I hope. You never know with me. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, David and Shira, for making this uh, an amazing Shabbos and um, thank you to the whole community I really really appreciate it I have a special thank you I don't know if she's here to Ellen Jaffe who just dropped off at the house house, a very beautiful painting um, of a butterfly which is the um, symbol of Ornava and um, and Mr. Hashem will hang it in the front hall of the new ranch and um, I thank you very much I hope you'll introduce yourself to me after this year so, it's really um, very much a sheer. I think an eye-opening shir, Mitzvah Hashem, on what the miracle of Purim was, it's really a Purim shir, being that we're a week away, and I'm going to open up with two questions. But I would like to give this shir for Rufur Shalema, for Devorah Chaya Rachel. She should have a complete Rufur Shalema. So the question is as follows it says <laughs> the Shulchan says that when the month of Adar comes in you should be happier it also says <laughs> the month of Adar <laughs> you should be less happy but the Rabbis are very careful to explain to us how to become less happy no, no wine no haircuts no weddings, no music, no meat All Right, the nine days but when it comes to Adar, it doesn't tell us. It just tells us to be happier. You can't just become happier because the last day was Shvat, and now the next day I'm in Rosh Chodesh Adar. What exactly changed? Like my business is the same. Everything's pretty much the same. So, like, should I drink? Should I listen to more music? Um, should I get dressed up as a clown? What? Well, it doesn't tell us how to become happier so how could you tell me to be happier and not give me the other part of the instructions on how it seems to be it doesn't say in the month of Adar you should be happy it says Adar, when Adar comes in so it doesn't say anywhere that the whole month of Adar you should be happy it means when Adar starts something happens that intrinsically without you doing anything makes you happier what is that are you really happier the first day with Shkodesh Adar than you were the day before we're going to try to answer that question tonight the second question and they're both going to be answered with one answer the second question is that when there's a leap year like last year, there's a leap year and there's two months of Adar the Rishon and Adrashenim Purim is celebrated in Adar shemi not in Adar risham and the reason that the Chachamim bring is that we want the Geula of Adar to be next to the Geula of Nisan we want the Geula of Purim to be next to the Geula of Pesach why? wouldn't it be better if you had it the first month Adar comes in and you right away have Purim and then you get an extra month to prepare for Pesach it would be amazing. But instead, it's Korim and Pesach have to be next to each other. So Mitzvah Hashem, I hope to answer both these questions with one answer. We're going to talk a little bit about Gugulim tonight. This is brought down in many different forms, not just in the safe of Gugulim by Rachaim Itaal. And it says the following: The Gemara asks, Esther Mehat Tarim where do you know Esther from the Torah? from Haster Ashtar Espanai when Hashem says that he's going to hide his face Haman where do we know Haman from the Torah? Hamino it's not the only place in the Torah that it says the word the letters Men because the Mon when we talk about the Mon right? in Pajr Bishal also it also says Haman, but that's not where we learn Haman from we learn Haman from Hamidha So it seems to be that there are hidden things in the Torah. There are things that are in the story. and we're looking for Haman in the Torah and we find him in Hamina 8 and we find Esther from Haster Aster. And it really all started with this coming week's Parsha Parsha Tsava. Because in Parsha's Titsava we know now Moshe Rabbeinu said, when it came to the Egel, Hashem, if you destroy Klai Yisrael, I want to be erased from the whole Torah." And of course, Hashem did not destroy Klai Yisrael at that point. But Hashem said that tzadik goizer, when a tzaddik is goyzer, that akharish who is m'kayin. So Hashem decided to take his name, Moshe Rabbeinu's name. Out of this coming week's parsha, Tzadat, you do not see Moshe Rabbeinu's name at all, because he said, take my name out of the whole Torah, and since he said that, some, some Pasha he had to be taken out of, and he's taken out of the parsha Tzadat. But we learn a very interesting thing from the Vulnagain. And the interesting thing that we've learned is that sometimes the nigwa, the things that you see, seem to be taken away, but in the nister, in the hidden, those things that you thought were taken away were not Moshe Rabbeinu's name is in Parshat Tzavah in fact it's in every single parasha in Parshat Tzavah in fact the only parasha that Moshe's name is in every single parasha because even the other parasha where Moshe's name is in, in the parasha it's not every single parasha the only place that Moshe Rabbeinu's name is in every single parasha where it looks like his name is not mentioned at all only the Vilna Glein can say this how do we know this so the nigla, follow me whoever has a pen and pencil pen and paper it's good you brought it the nigla of Moshe Abedah's name is a man a shin and a head that's what you see what you don't see is each one of those letters is spelled, right? Men, is spelled mem men So, the Nigla is a Men. The Nistar is a Men. mem equals 40. The next letter that we see in Moshe Rabbeinu's name is a Shin. The Nigla, the letter that you see, is a Shin. But the letter that you don't see is the Yud-Nun, because the way you spell Shin is Shin-Yud-Nun. So the letters you don't see is a Yud and a Nun, which equals 60. A Yud is 10, and a Nun is 50, which equals 60. So the first letter, the Men is hidden, is 40. And the second letter, the Yud and Nun is hidden, is 60 equals 100. The last letter of Moshe Rabbeinu's name is a He. The letter you see is the He. The letter you don't see is the Aleph. It's spelled He-Aleph. So the Nister of Moshe's name equals 101. There are 101 psukim and pashat Tzavah. 101. In every single posse is the Nister of Moshe Beno's name. So we're going to start off tonight with this understanding that sometimes the nigwa, what we see is missing but actually it's really there in the Nistur in the hidden where do you find Haman in the Torah? says the Gemara we need to know in our lives that sometimes we see things and we think we understand what we see and sometimes we think there's something missing when really God in the Nistar is making sure that there is nothing missing. In Megillah's Esther, you do not see God's name mentioned, even once. And the reason it's not mentioned even once is that Torah always comes out by Pashas Tzavah, or around Pashat Tzavah. And Tzavah, the Pashat Tzavah, also took Moshe Rabbeinu's name out. So Hashem said, mida, mida If I took Moshe Rabbeinu's name out, because he was willing to say Kleinstraub to put his name on the line, then I have to be able to do the same thing. So when Megillus Esther, which is read at the same time as Hajj Kitsana, my name will not be mentioned either. Mida mida. But that's the Nigla. The Nister is that Hashem's name is mentioned when it says HaMelech and it doesn't say HaShverosh it's very beautiful there's someone who wrote a Purush I didn't see it but I heard about it now every HaMelech in the Megillah that doesn't say HaMelech HaShverosh we know that is Hashem and he went through the whole Megillah with the word HaMelech as Hashem and he wrote a whole translation on the Megillah if HaMelech is not HaShverosh but if HaMelech Imah if it's okay with the king right you obdam. We know that who was who Haman talking to? It was the angel of Ace of Amalek talking to Hashem. told, if it's okay with Hashem, you should write to destroy them. Because they're a nation that's affordable for it. The Klyashal doesn't get along with each other, and therefore Hashem, you should destroy them. And if you look through all the Hamalachs, so but I heard something even more amazing. When did the Yeshua begin? <coughs> the Yeshua began for Clyastra when the king could not sleep. I think it's Pereg Vav. shnas The king could not sleep. It's brought down in Kabbalah that we're talking about Hashem. Hashem could not sleep because he wrote Exerah to destroy his children. Nodadah shnas He asked her to for the Sefer of the Kweiners. He asked for the Sefer of the history of the Jewish nation to see what we did right. But the miracle and the Yeshua began in Perek Vav. In the chapter of Perek you will find the word Hamelech 26 times. Hashem's Rachamim, where he opened up his Rachamim and to save Kla Yisrael, the only Perek in the whole Megillah that has Hashem's name, Mehamelech, mentioned 26 times, is Perek when the Yeshua began to happen. Because Bochu did not put his name in the Megillah, because Moshe Rabbeinu's name was erased in the Torah. Haman's <coughs> name comes from the Eitz Homino Eitz. I'm about to weave something for you. It's not my Torah. That you will definitely have a different Purim this year. Absolutely for sure. Listen carefully. Haman means that Haman brings down that Haman. Who was he? Haman was a Malek. All right? Haman came from Esau. Who's the mouth of asa The Satan. So this whole thing was driven by the Satan. <laughs> this was a war between the Satan and Adam and Chava. Because the first time they did the Avera, the world continued. But this time, the objective of the Sultan was to destroy the world. Wipe out every Jewish person and there's no total left in the world or automatically the world will be destroyed. What was the Satan's whole plan of the eight Sadas? Number one, the eight Sadas, according to most of Chazal, the what it was, was it a vine? Was it a chita But most of them feel that it was a vine because it's brought down that when she brought to Adam, she didn't bring him the grapes, but she brought him wine. And it's brought down in many holy svarim that the reason that kiddush is made on wine. And the reason that by every simcha, whether it's a pinion a or bris, or a wedding, or a we always have wine, is to be masakein, the wine that Adam drank, that brought the terrible Avera to the world. And that's why we're supposed to drink wine on Purim. You, if you get drunk by drinking scotch or beer, you're not a Kayin. Boy, I drank enough that I don't know the difference... Between Baruch Marachai and Haman the mitzvah is al Because the Aveira that we did by the party of was on Why was it called a Mishte Yanyin? So if you look in the Megillah, it doesn't talk about, in Megillah's Esther, what they served food wise at this party. You can be sure the food was amazing. They specifically this was, a, this was a planned, the whole thing was planned between Akashverosh and Haman to destroy Klai specifically through wine, because Haman was the incarnation of the Satan, an agent of the Satan. And the Avera that was done, Haman, where do you know? He comes from the Eitz Hadas, which was made of wine. So he specifically wanted the Jewish people to sin through the first Avero, which was wine by the Hadas. So he specifically made a Mishtaya. And therefore, it doesn't say anything in the Megillah about the food. But it does say a lot about the wine. And it says that he made a Mishta. I just want to read it from inside. The hashkais, and the wine, the drinks, the khlezal, the kalim, the kalim, shinin, and it was poured into the kalim of the Beit HaMikdash the yayin malchus and the wine of the kingdom. Rab was the lot, kiyad amalak, like the hand of the king. All the wine he wanted to drink. All it talks about is the wine. The and the drink, it was given and not forced. Because the king made a rule that he told everyone to give them wine, but don't force them to drink it. Because if you force them to drink it, then they're going to tell God, it's not our fault, they forced us to drink it. So the plan, the whole sabotage was to bring the Jews and give them wine according to their age. If you're 30 years old, it's 30 year wine. And make sure that it's flowing and make sure that it's kosher, and make sure that you don't force them to drink the wine. The plan of the Sukkot was to take us down the same way he took us down at the of Adas. He made a huge mistake. The washing of what Haman did is it says that a lottery was done, but it doesn't say that Haman did the lottery. Hippopur, the reason that it's called Purim. And the reason it doesn't say that he did the lottery is because even though he did the lottery, Hashem specifically made it come out in the month of Adar. Why in the month of Adar? The May says that every month goes to according a part of your body. you Your left ear, your right ear, your right eye, your left eye. Every month has a mazal. The mazal. Of Adar is chaitam is your nose. And the only thing that wasn't mitama, that didn't become impure at the tree, at the Eitz Sadas was the sense of smell. She touched the tree. She looked at the tree. She tasted the fruit. She listened to the nachash. Four out of her five senses she used. But she never smelled the tree. So the one thing that the satan did not have power over is smell. And that is why, tonight, when you made have when you're and your say Yasehra leaves and you need to do something to take up that void, we make it by the. The reason that we use besamim is because the only thing that could take that's holy, the only sense that's still holy, that can take the place of a neshama you is the one sense that wasn't blemished which is smell and therefore the month of Adar, which represents your nose was the only month that Haman who was the, the sultan at the eight sadas had no power over and therefore the two people who could take him down the essence of who they were Smell. Mordechai, when it talks about the ketores, two of the of the ingredients of the ketores were called mar Udrar Uncles translates the word mar Udrar which is spices. Mordechai. Mordechai's name meant spices. Ketores, smell. Esther, zu hadasa. A hadas, a myrtle, is the one branch that when you crush it, we use it for the has an amazing smell. Crush Esther, crush chlysfro, try to mess with us, and what comes out is a beautiful smell. So the two people in the story of Purim, their essence and their names were from smell. And it says the bin Ayasask, therefore, Haman, who was the Satan, could not hurt them. But we went to the Mishdayai We did it again We drank wine that we weren't supposed to drink Esther knew she had to be and Esther was Chava Begilgal And Monachai was Adam Begilgal And they were back at the same point that they were the last time Very fascinating Haman The name Haman came when Hashem said Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I'm hiding and Hashem said why are you hiding and Adam said I'm not dressed I'm unclothed and Hashem said how do you know you're unclothed did you eat from the tree so the name Haman in the Torah came to the point where Adam realized and Chava realized that they were not dressed at the party at the party, Hacheshverosh asked his wife to come down undressed. And the reason she grew a tail or whatever happened, pimples, whatever the story is, that she could not come down, says Chazal, because she specifically made Jewish girls work on Shabbos, and she knew they would snoo him, and she made them work undressed. This whole undress of why would a Hacheshverosh, the king of the world, married to Nebuchadnezzar's granddaughter, asked her to come down undressed. Because from the original Avera that Haman comes from, came the embarrassment of being unclothed. Mordecai and Esther, specifically Esther, knowing that the Avera that we did is that we went to a Mishneh Yain, knew that she had to destroy Haman, it is known in Kabbalah that to destroy the Tzara Tumat, the dark side you have to use their weapon on them you cannot use Kedusha and the story is brought by, by Bilal when he was flying against Kwa and they had to get him down Kinchos used the tits and said Kedush HaShem bore him down to the ground and he was going to kill him with the Shem HaShem that Moshe Avedo used to kill the Mitzri and the Medrash says that Moshe Avedo stopped him and said don't you dare use the Shem HaShem because even though it will kill him but when you use the Shem Hashem, the Tzara we will get all that Kadusha. and we can't give him that Kedusha. Take his sword, which was called the Sword of Snakes, his whole power was Nechashim, and use the sword to kill him. And the Avenger says he took, he took Bilal's sword when he fell, and he cut Bilal's head off, and Bilal turned into snakes and scorpions, whatever it was, and Moshe Benel said, you have to kill Tuma with Tuma with their own weapon. So Esther knew the only way to destroy the sucker who was Haman at this point was to invite him to a Mishvayay. To invite him with the same weapon he used to get her, that he used wine to get her, to use the same weapon to get him. And when she when she brought him to the party, very, very fascinating. So when she brought him to the party, she had to bring Hashem to the party too. She needed Hashem to be there. To help her, she needed Hashem to have Rachamah. So she said, "Imal Hamelach Toiv, if it's okay with the King." Yavo Hamelach, Vahaman. Yavo is the Yud, Hamelach is the Hey, Vahaman is the Vav, Hayom, another Hey. Yavo Hamelach Vahaman Hayom. If you take the first letters of those four words the invitation to the party she was making, she was inviting Hashem at the same time, she was inviting the king of Haman, the Rosh Hashem of Yavoy HaMelech or HaYom with Yud So she invited Hashem, but after she was then knowing by using the Rosh Hashem she invited him to come Hashem to be there. But also had Rucha Kodesh or Ruch HaToma. And he did not want Hashem to come. And we know if you look in the spark sitter, when it comes to when it comes to um the month, so every month Hashem Didke Vodke is switched around. The worst month where there's din is when God's name is backwards. Instead of Yud Hey Von Hey, it's Hey Vov Hey Yud. That's not a good month. That's when Rockland is turned around and becomes Din. What month is that? The month of Thomas. The month of Thomas is the beginning of the destruction of, of, of the Beit It's in the center. You can look in the center. It's spelled hey. It's spelled the opposite way that Hashem's name is fell. Well, Haman knew that. So when he came back from the first party, he said the following. All this being invited to a party and all my greatness, Enenu Shovali is worth nothing to me as long as I see Mordechai If you take the words, Enenu, right, Shovali, and you take the last letters, because now we're doing Hashem's name backwards. So Ze has a He. Enenu ends with a Vau. is a He, and li is a Yud. It spells hey, love, hey, yud, din. It's all not worth it to me if I can't bring Midas Hadin to the party. Because then I'll lose. But Akash loves us. So what happens at the party? The whole Shairish of the whole Megillah Esther of Purim was a war between the Sultan and us. So let's take a look at the final end of Haman. Haman comes to a party of yayin. Esther is chava. Haman is the snake. And she brings him back to where he was, men are She brings him back to a party of wine. What is standing outside in the courtyard? The eights. The tree. The tree is here. The wine is here. How did the sultan get Chava to sin? How did he fool her? He pushed her into the tree and she didn't die. Hashem said, "Mida can I get Mida? You did this to her and brought death to the human being. I am going to push you into her. The opposite this time and bring death to you. When Ahasuerus went outside he had a problem because Lemaissa even though Esther said that this man Homan Harash Azeb wants to kill me and my family and the, and, and, and well there was nothing Ahasuerus could do because if he took up to court the signature on the decree was his so even though Holland wrote it he signed it Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus couldn't do nothing he was stuck he went outside he said my wife is telling me this man wants to kill me but I signed the decree I can't do anything, I'm stuck. And he came back into the room not knowing what to do. But then he walks into the room and he sees his, his princess, his, his queen, Hamad's laying on her, and he says, In my house? You attack my wife? Uh fell so he knew it was over. Because that you don't have to go to court. It's death at the moment. You attack a, a a queen and that you're done, you're dead. The minute he was pushed onto Esther, he realized what I did to her is now being done to me. It's over. So the last scene for Haman is like the first scene by the Naftash. There's a tree, and there's wine, and there's a push. Exactly what happened. This is the mister. This is what we don't see, and there are many, many different riyas and different proofs. To what I'm telling you, what does that have to do? Besimcha, and the other question that I asked, and the answer this problem: When you realize that things are going, things that you see are not really what you see, then you're willing to accept things in your life that are not going so well because you realize that the story that you seem to be reading is so different than the story that's really going on and Rav is Pink is he says never ever in the time of Kwa Yisrael did we have no one you have to understand that once the decree was written we knew as it says in the Megillah that Marachai went into the street ripped his clothing put ash cloth. This was the leader of Klein right? and he gave out a great cry. He said, We're done! That's a leader? A leader should get up and say, Don't worry, nobody can hurt us. We're gonna go down and we're gonna learn. Hashem gonna help us. And they asked Akasha. Imagine Khat was the war in Israel. You know, Khan goes in, we're always so happy that he's safe in his house in Bene Brach. He goes into the middle of Bene Brach, he rips his clothing, we're done, it's all we finished. A panic. We're done. Then we're done. It's are kind of we go down to go to Yeshiva to learn, to go to Cairo and will be all right. Mordecai, what are you doing? You're screaming to everyone? Talking to the dialogue? That we're done? And it says that by Yehudah HaDabah he knew because in, in Rukh HaKonosh he saw that in Shemayim Hashem wrote in Zehra and signed in Zehra not in blood but in it that I will destroy that we will be destroyed half the nation by nation, men, women, and children for the first Time in the history of the Jewish nation God signed us off and Mordechai saw the Xerah. and he said this is different than any other time Moshe Abenu every time Hashem wanted to sign us off he came up with an excuse and Hashem said no gzera this time it's written so he said the normal and learning? Because it was written. It's already written. So he wanted everyone to know that this is not a normal sorrow. This is a sorrow we never had before. And he figured that if he screams and he yells at the leader, the people are going to react heavily. But what happened here is the people who looked to their love to save them when they are in a sorrow, their love was Mordecai, who they didn't like. Because he got them into this whole trouble. They felt they had to bow down. The whole thing wouldn't have happened. So they're already going to like it. And now he's in a panic mode. So the rabbi ain't going to help us. God, who's always there, wrote us off. Well, we have a girl in the White House. We have a Jewish woman who's the queen. She's going to save us. She's going to save us. So they weren't so scared. And then one day, on the morning news, it's the Queen has invited Haman to a private party. The Jewish Queen, who's going to help us, has just invited Hitler, the Machshimol, the Nazi, the destroyer of the Jewish nation. To a private wine party in the palace with the king. She is in with the two of them. She sold out. For the first time since the Shimshin, the Jewish nation had no one. We had no rabbi. We had no one in the politics, no politician that's going to save us. But the worst of all, we didn't have God. so today we were all gone O-T-D off the derach why do I need to be on the derach Hashem gave up on me my rabbi got me into this trouble the girl that I thought was going to help us is one of them <laughs> what, am I, what am I learning for what am I putting on tefillin Hashem said I'm going to die anyway that would be the normal reaction but the reaction was very different Klai went out and we fasted for three days And we davened and we cried and we learned And it says, Mordechai gathered all the Tinekish around them, all the little kids And he got them together and they were all learning They were actually learning about Kemitah And they were fasting and it says in the Medrash That their mothers came to bring them food They were little teeny kids And said, you gotta eat, you gotta eat, you gotta eat And they said, no, we're going to fast like the adults Three days, no water, no food Three days in a row, no water, no food I believe it was Pesach And she actually broke We actually broke Pesach no matzah, no seder, no nothing zero and they said the following God you gave up on us but we will never give up on you and Rav Shem Shem pinker said that at that moment that Christ said to God you wrote us off we had nobody but we still have you, even though you don't love us, you don't want us. But we love you and we want you. And that moment in Shemayim was so great; it was never ever before, and it was never ever after, because Hashem never wrote us off before. Kiblu vikiblu kol we all told Hashem, I don't care that you wrote me off and my children are going to die. I'm going to die. We're going to die. And you're going to kill us. And you wrote us off." I'm not writing you off. That's the moment of Purim. When Scripture says that moment comes down to the world every single year on Purim. And that broke the Gizara. Nothing else could have helped us. But that we were given up on and we didn't give up on Hashem that broke the gizera. And there's a story brought down by Rav Shimon by Echai, a very famous story in the Medrash, that there was a couple who did not have children for 10 years. And the Gemara says that if a man can have children and he's married to a woman who cannot for 10 years that he needs to get divorced because he has to do the Mitzvah pu and he needs to find someone else to marry. And these two loved each other very very much They had an amazing marriage But it was 10 years and they had no children So they went to Reb Shimon Ba Yechai. And they came to Reb Shimon Ba Yechai, And they told him the story And he said you, That's the halacha, you married 10 years, you don't have children So tomorrow you need to get divorced But Being that you love each other so much And you had a big party when you got married So make a su'udas prado, Make a big party, just the two of you that you're separating, and that, you know, you're going to get divorced. Tonight, go home and make a party. So they went home, they were very sad, they were very broken, they sat at this table, she brought him wine, he got drunk, he couldn't handle it, and she made this, her, best, her best dishes, her best everything, it was the last time they were going to be together, it was very sad. And he turned to her, and the halakh in those days, the times of the Gemara, was that if you get divorced, the woman goes back to her parents. And the man keeps the house and he tries to get married, whatever it is. She goes back to her parents. It's a din by Kohanim. If they eat truma, she goes back to she eats Shumo, whatever. That's what, that's what happened. So he turns to his wife who's a little bit semi-drunk and he says to her, listen, I'm, I want to I give you something for all the years that we were together. So take in this house, we have silver, we have gold, we have jewels. Even though the house is supposed to stay with me, you take the most precious thing that you want, you take to your father's house and you can keep it. It's not in Yuxuva. I'm going to pay you Yuxuva. I'm giving it to you outside of Yuxuva because I love you. Okay? He gets drunk. He falls asleep. He's in bed. She goes next door. It's it's in the Medrash story. She goes next door. She goes to the Medrash. She gets four guys to carry his bed. And in the middle of the night, they carry his bed and they bring it to her father's house. And they put it in her father's house. He wakes up in the morning. What's going on here? We're supposed to get divorced this morning. Why am I in your father's house? She said, you made a deal. He said, what I said? You said I could take the most precious thing in the house. To me, you're the most precious thing in the house. So I took you. Now he's got a problem. How's he going to divorce her? He gave his word that she could take the most precious thing in the house. And to her, he was the most precious thing in the house. So they went back to have Shimbai Khai. And they stood in front and said, he said, I got a big problem. I made sort of a nadar that she could take the most precious thing in the house. And she took me. Were you passing yesterday that we need to get divorced. What should I do? It says in the measure of Shem Mayachai began to cry hysterically. When he finished crying, they asked him why are you crying. And he said that if we Klaisha would have felt that way when the Bethamidish was destroyed, and we would have said that the one thing we want to take is you, Hashem. That's what we're going to miss, that's what we want. Then he would have never divorced us, so to say. He, we would we have never been separated. I wish that we would feel the same way about Hashem as your wife feels about you. So go home and stay married and I give you my word that next year at this time you'll have a child. Kachayat says. That kind of love. Over here on Purim, that's what happened. We had nothing. We had no reason to stay in the game. We said, God, you gave up on me, but I'll never give up on you. What a level. What a level of a person to be able to reach that. What a crazy level for a whole nation to reach that. Knowing that you wrote my death warrant and saying, it doesn't matter. I just will never give up on you. Pesach we got payback and that's why Pesach and Purim have to be next to each other you see on Pesach because of what we did on Purim just like by Moshe Rabbeinu Hashem always pays back exactly what you did it says that God came in and you can say this over by the Savior God came in the middle of the night and said I'm taking my nation out and the Lushan is that she paused on in a moment. Why a moment? Why did he tell them a month before I'm taking you out? And then we wouldn't have to eat matzah. The reason we ate matzah is because we showed up. We weren't ready. We didn't have our food. We ran out and turned into to matzo. Hashem you didn't know a month before you couldn't tell us. We could have packed up all our food. Maybe I should realize if he gave us a month in advance, we'd have to have like nine million trailer loads of food on the way out. We'd never get out of the tribe but the truth is why didn't he tell us so the lashon that the Torah uses is, is in a moment and what happened was we were on the 49th level of Tumor we were on the lowest level of Tumor we did not deserve to go out means that he just fell in love with us in a moment when a boy sees a girl and he just there's a moment when the decision comes that uh, this is the person I want to marry, this is the person I want to be with my whole life. It's a moment, you go out ten times, a moment's not there, and then all of a sudden it's like, I don't know what happened, I just, I just looked at her, she looked at me, we're like, no, let's get married. <laughs> we did not deserve to be married to Hashem. Pesach night is the engagement. Shvuis is the marriage. When Hashem made a chuppah with the ha, we did not deserve to be engaged in the triumph, we were on the 49th level of chuppah. But there was a moment where Hashem looked at us and said you may have given up on me. You're on the 49th level of Zara. You're not even connected to me. But I'm never going to give up on you. The reverse of Purim. Purim and Pesach have to be next to each other. On Purim we said you gave up on us, we don't give up on you. On Pesach Hashem said you gave up on me, I don't give up on you. And knowing that gives us a simcha when we come into Agar. Knowing that, number one, that what, we, what I'm going through in life in Shvat and in Nisa and, all the, all, and the other months before this, I'm going through all this stuff and it looks so bad, but it looks so bad, it looks like Moshe's name wasn't in there. Meanwhile, Moshe's name was in every single letter. It looks so bad for Christ. Meanwhile, Hashem took revenge on the Nachosh, exactly what he did, the tree, the wine, the push... Hashem waited for the right moment and paid him back. Nobody gets away with anything. Not even the stuff, not even the nothing. When you realize that, and you come into the month of Ador, your pain and the stuff that you're going through gets relieved because you understand that the Melech Ma'sha is the one that's running the world. When you realize that a Jew can come to a level that even if he feels in his heart that God, you gave up on me, you're not there anymore, I to you, you're not there anymore, Kha'a it's never like that. It thinks. The Zerah of Holland was the only time that that happened. But even if yeah. you have that feeling, you can look at them and say, they also had nothing. They didn't have a rabbi. They didn't have any help. They didn't have any chance. And I shall move zero And then they didn't give up. And that being empowered with that, it gives you the strength to be a of the simcha. That brings happiness in your life. <coughs> the beautiful Marshall will end with this. When I say this, Marshall, in my head, I, I see the picture, and I say it every pace, like I try to say it by the Seder, about this this moment. And there's a story about this prince. And he was looking, they were looking to get him married, because in the old days, the prince would marry from one country to a, a princess from another country, and that would bring the two countries together. So this prince's mother and father, the queen and the king, had passed away and the country decided it's now time for you to marry and to go to another country and to put together the two countries and become the king so he gets all dressed up and they put him in this beautiful wagon not a wagon, a coach and they're on the way to this other country to meet this girl to be his princess and he comes at at an intersection in a town, on the way there a very poor town and there's a girl laying in the mud and the filth in the mud her hair caked with mud and she sticks her hand out at the coach while it's waiting at the at the intersection and she says, alms for the poor could you help me, could you help me and the prince whose country this was looks down sees this girl laying in the filth of the mud and he says to his soldiers that are standing there, what's going on in my country there are people like this and they're like, no, this is just don't worry about it, we're going to take care of her he says, no, pull her out of the mud, I want to talk to her and they're like, sir, you're the king, you, you do this this is not for you, we'll wash her up we'll give her food, we'll take care of her, he goes I want to talk to her, so she gets up in the mud and she's full of filth. She doesn't look like she ever took a shower. And he says to her, "Come into my coach. I want to talk to you." And the guys that are going with him, you know, the, the advisors, like, "It's very nice, you, you know." In the book Romeo and Juliet, all these stories. But you are now the king. You can't have this wench sit in this wagon in this coach. He says, "Listen to me carefully. I'm the king. Put her." in the coach, I want to talk to her. And she sits down, she can't even look him in the face, the king, this is the king, she's a nobody. And he says, look at your face, I want to talk to you. And he says to her, what happened to you? You live in my country, how could you look like this? She says, I have no parents, sir, and I have no one to support me, sir, and if I'm embarrassed to be sitting here and dirtying your coach, could you just give me A couple of dollars, I'll be gone. And he looks at this face and he just sees something. He says, no. Turn around, coach! I found her! Are you crazy? This is a peasant. I want to take her back to the castle. And they're going crazy. like This is an embarrassment. You're gonna come back. People are gonna say You're, you can't be the king. This is—you need to marry blue You need to marry a princess. And they're waiting in the other country. Am I the king? Take me back to the castle. And they take him back to the castle with this filthy girl, dressed muddy, dirty, smelly. She's in the mud for who knows how many years. And as they're driving up to the palace, the people are looking in the coach and they see the king and something out of the earth and the whole place is talking like where did you find that and he brings her into the castle and he says to her tonight at 8 o'clock we're going to have the meal make sure you're there he tells his mother's the people who used to take care of his mother all the women I want her showered I want her dressed I want her in one of my mother's gowns 8 o'clock and she needs to be at the meal so they shower and they wash her and perfume whatever they had to do and they put her in this beautiful gown and she walks in to the dining room and she's spectacular she's magnificent she is gorgeous she looks so royal and the advisors that were with him on the road they're like it cannot be the same girl where do they find it is not the same girl he's like you see I'm the king I have an eye for things you don't have I saw her beauty through all the filth and she sits down a queen, a gorgeous, gorgeous girl. But she has no manners. She lived in the dirt. And they tried to serve her food and she's eating with her hands. And there's food all over her mouth and she's eating like a peasant. And the advisor said, like, you see, king? She might be beautiful on the inside, but she's not royalty. You need to marry royalty." And he said, beauty, I can't teach her. But royalty, I can. It's going to take some time. We're going to teach her how to eat at a table and how to walk into a room. That can be taught. The kachoya, and as the story goes, he spent a year teaching her, he marries her, and the whole country loved her more than anything else. And the nimshal is that God came down, if you look at the Medrash, God came down to Mitzrayim Klai Yisrael was on the 49th level of Tuma. We stuck. We smelled. We were filthy. We were Avadim. And Hashem said to the angels, I found her. Klai Yisrael. And the angel said to Hashem, Heim The Heim Eidev The mitrim are doing on the 49th level and this Jew, this girl, is doing the same thing. Why would you choose, if you're going to choose one of the two who are both on this filthy level, why would you choose the slave? Choose the master, the men's. Choose the ministry. If they're both dirty and filthy on the 49th level, why are you taking the Jews who are slaves, Take the Mitzlom who are masters? And Hashem said, I'm in love with them. I'm in love with them. And the Malachim said, Hashem, you're God, you're royalty. You can't take these peasants. They're on the 49th level of Tumor. And Hashem took them out of Mitzrayim. And the beauty of Klai Yisrael by Harsinai. Hashem said, you're right. Their beauty is who they are. Their manners, not there yet. I'm going to give them 613 rules of etiquette. I'm going to take this 49th level peasant who I pulled out of the triumph because he puzzled I looked at them and fell in love with them and we're going to learn 613 ways of etiquette how to talk how to walk what you're allowed to look at what you're not allowed to look at what you're allowed to see how a person gets dressed shot and a snow shot I am going to teach them to be royalty. And the Kabbalah Yosha says that on the night of Pesach God I don't have it. I can read it to you from inside. It's amazing. God comes to every Jew's Seder. And he brings the malachim with him that were in Mitzrayim, And all of us are sitting there in royalty. At the Seder with our children. And the beauty of Chlay Israel, Of the chinuch of our children. And the silver cups. And the matzah. And the wine. And the whole family. And Hashem makes them admit that he had an eye for a beautiful maiden and they were wrong and he says to all of those in Shemayim you see I was able to see their beauty look at them now and he talks about kaviyasha, how you have to set the table has to be done by a Jew has to be done by someone who's tahar, because when God comes to your table it has to be malchus. so he could show them that they were wrong That that girl he pulled out of the mud called Klai is now sitting by a Seder. And that's his repayment for what Klai being in a world of no time, Purim Pesach, it's the same. Klai at a time where God gave up on us, we didn't give up on him. So Pesach, he doesn't give up on us. And that's why the two months have to be next to each other. And that, everybody is what's supposed to bring the simcha in Adar and that is the reason that the two months have to be together I want to give you all a bracha we spoke to here. I actually spoke from here in Shul and I talked about the Kruvim the two angels on top of the Aron Kodesh that faced each other and it says that when things were at peace they faced each other when things were not at peace they faced away from each other it's brought down by the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash when the Romans came into the Beis HaMikdash and the Beis HaMikdash was burning. They came into the Kodosh HaKadoshim. Titus came into the Kodosh Kedoshim. He cut the, the Poreiches. He used it to do a terrible Avera. And they carried out the Arna Kodash with the Kruvin. And they made fun of us. And they said, The Jews are no different than anyone else. They serve idols. Look at these angelic, with, you know, with these baby faces on it. And it's brought down that when the Romans took out the Arna Kodesh, that the Kruvin were facing each other. Not only were they facing each other, but they were intertwined facing each other. So the Kasha is, what are you talking about? We know the destruction of the Metamakers was Sinashino. They didn't get along with each other. It was murder. She got dumb into their riots. So if they didn't get along with each other how could it be that when they took him out they were entwined with each other facing each other? The answer is very sad but very beautiful. Now al is that when a man goes on a trip from his, and he's going to leave his wife for a very long time so the Shulchan says that before he goes since he's going away for a long time the night before he goes, he should be very intimate with his wife. It's the halacha; You can't just leave her for a month or weeks and not be intimate. So the halacha is, we have a din from our from our k'suva, right? You have to give her Sheikh susan aina. And the aina, if you're going away for a long time, the Allahi is, that you have to be intimate. I don't know who brings it down. It's brought down in the oitzit place, I don't remember from who, and he says, that a Karsh is leaving us for a long time so he wanted to show us through the Kruvim that even though he's leaving us for a long time and even though we weren't getting along with each other that he's very sad and that he wants to be intimate with us and therefore the position of the Kruvim were intertwined with each other that they did not want to separate from each other that's one answer the second answer was that in the, in the Kurdish Kedoshim they were facing away from each other when the Romans came and Titus came and he pulled the Hora Kodesh out, they turned around to face each other. And the reason was that until then, Hashem was angry at us for the way we were behaving. But when he saw the Goyim and he saw Titus and he saw the Romans, he said, compared to them, they're the most amazing nation in the world. So even though they weren't facing each other in the Kurdish deductions, the minute the Romans took them out, I can't sell the Romans, the crew turned around and they hugged each other and said, huh, we thought that the Jews weren't good, but now that we're comparing them to everyone else, it's just the opposite. Wow, what a nation I have. Those emotions are the emotions on Purim. And you know the reward, everyone? The reward is that on Purim, you can ask for anything that you want. It's a very big Indian to go, for girls, for women, for men, to Daven Vesikin, specifically on the morning of Purim. Because on Purim it says, that anyone who puts out their hand, when people come to you for tzedakah and you want to give them a lot of money, you can ask them, let me see your paper from the vad. where are you coming from? How do I know you're not keeping it? You're allowed to ask them questions. On Purim there's no questions. Call up any person puts their hand out you must put something in that hand why? because in Shemayim because we accepted Hashem and we said even though you gave up on us we didn't give up on you that moment of love is so big it's like a husband and a wife when a wife would say that to a husband that you know you don't love me and you don't care about me but I want to tell you something it doesn't matter I will always love you and a husband realizes the relationship that his wife really loves him on that level. What does love have to do with it? That's my title. There's nothing in the world that she can ask for that he won't give. Call up Hashem in this world. you got to give Sadakah. But Hashem says, whatever you do in this world, I'll do in the other world. Whoever puts out their hand, someone's sick, someone needs children, someone needs to get married, Shaduq, somebody needs to full whatever it is, just put your hand out and I will put something in it because of the love that you showed me on that day therefore go to the earliest minyan daven the early in the morning and in Esrei, put out your hand and you can ask for anything it is the holiest day of the year Yom Kippur is called Yom Kippur Yom Kippur is light for him if I tell you Arsicola is like Coca-Cola what's the real thing? Real thing's Coca Cola. RC season, like Coca Cola. If I say Yom Kippur is like Purim, Purim is much holier than Yom Kippur. Purim is much holier. It is the holiest day, and therefore he makes us crazy, get drunk, or your friends act like an idiot, throw up on the on the table, throw up on the plate, go, you know, drink it up because your, your, the Sultan knows this is the day that you beat me. You beat me out of love this is the day that you have a chance to change the world this is the day that you have a chance to bring Mashiach get them drunk make them act like fools because it's the most kaddish day of the year and it's kaddish because we made a kaddish not because Hashem made a kaddish we forced Hashem to break the because we loved him and we did not give up on him when he gave up on us it's our holiday there's no miracle from Hashem there's no Hanukkah kind of life. There's no you to try and splitting of the answer. There's none of that. It's our day. God did no miracle. We did the miracle. We broke in Because we showed him love when he didn't show us love. I'm repeating you a shit from Shim Jim Pinkus. It's a huge day. Don't waste it. Thank you, Chicago. And may we all be zyphed to see the crew of him again intertwined and facing each other. Agwitullah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by torahanytime.com